Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus was before Pilate, then Herod, back to Pilate, all within one hour. Things are progressing really quickly, and that's because they don't have anything to accuse him of. It was quick because there's no evidence. It was quick because there's no witnesses, no proof. It was quick because there was nothing to discuss, nothing to argue. No prosecuting attorney, no defense attorney refuting the prosecuting attorney. No one has any legitimate accusation against him. This whole trial is held without any evidence. Things that make you go, hmm, without any evidence. And it's happening fast. Now look at verse 1 again. Jesus is again before Pilate, and Pilate thinks, I'll scourge him to satisfy the people. So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And Pilate thinks that if I beat him bad enough, that will satisfy their thirst for blood. Maybe they'll see him beaten and bloodied, and that will be enough. Pilate doesn't realize that he's pouring gasoline on a fire because when they see blood, that makes them want more blood. Don't you understand when folks see blood, they want more blood? He's pouring gasoline on a fire. Now let's talk about scourging. I told you a couple of weeks ago, That if scourging were rated like a Hollywood movie, it would be rated R for extreme and graphic violence. Most Hollywood movies, uh, when they do the scourging part, uh, they leave Jesus with a few cat scratches. Uh, I think of the movie, um, I I keep forgetting it, um, uh, uh, The Passion of of Christ uh, with um, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. First service, I called him David Clooney. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why that name came to mind. Isn't there David Clooney? George Clooney. Okay. Maybe David's his brother. I don't know. Maybe a cousin. I don't know. He might be related. I don't know. And... Uh, The Passion of Christ, I think, did a good job, not an excellent portrayal. It certainly wasn't reality scourging because it's too graphic to view um, appropriately. Um, It's too horrible. For anyone to see. Let me give it to you early. Got a pen? Scourging had a threefold purpose. Had a threefold purpose. Number one, it was intended to cruelly punish a prisoner. It was intended to cruelly punish a prisoner. Number two, 
it was used to extract a confession from a prisoner. And number three, it was intended to weaken the victim so he would die quicker on the cross. Intended to cruelly punish him, extract or elicit a confession, or to weaken the victim so that he would die quicker on the cross. Scourging was a form of capital punishment and painful beyond comprehension. Scourging usually preceded crucifixion, but not always. I thought uh, Friday, as a matter of fact, I just kind of got a hold of that because I used to always think, and maybe you did too, that if someone was scourged, they definitely would be crucified. That scourging was a part of crucifixion. Um, And I just really learned and got clear on Friday that that is the case most of the time. But that is not always the case. Sometimes people would be scourged and not crucified. It was actually pretty rare, but it did happen in all um, honesty uh, toward uh, history. Uh, Prisoners were scourged in different ways. Sometimes a prisoner would be stretched flat on the ground with his back up and beaten. Sometimes they would tie the prisoner to a post and strip them naked, or there would be a post, you know, here, and you've probably seen that, and that's what I think they showed in Passion, where the prisoner Jesus was bent over, and they usually stripped them down naked, and, and, and they, they chained their hands to the bottom of the post, and then they would uh, whip them uh, that way. Uh, sometimes they would even hang the victim from straps and then begin the whipping. Romans called scourging halfway death because it was like being dead halfway. Cicero called scourging and crucifixion the extreme and ultimate punishment, the cruelest and most disgusting penalty. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian and not a Christian, called it the most pitiful of deaths. The instrument that they used for scourging was called the flagellum. Google it, the flagellum or the cat of nine tails. The cat of nine tails was an 18-inch long wooden handle. Attached to it were leather, long leather straps. And in, I tried to find your picture, and I really couldn't find one that I really liked, so I'll explain it. In the leather straps were embedded pieces of glass, metal, any sharp object, I also learned that at the end of some of these straps or some of the flagellums, they had these metal hooks, these metal hooks at the end of it. You can see how cruel this is getting, these metal hooks um, at the end of the leather straps. The judgment was 40 lashes except one for mercy. As the executioner would lay the whip across the back of the prisoner, the prisoner was expected to cry out the crime committed. If he confessed the, uh, uh, to the crime, the next lash would be less severe. If he didn't confess, then they continued. Oftentimes, a prisoner or a victim would, be, uh, would, would become unconscious, and they would revive him and then continue the beating. Most people didn't live through the process. 
when the straps came down upon the back, the straps would wrap around the torso. And remember, they were long. So they would take the wooden handle and they would reach back like that and strap. And they were long leather pieces that would literally wrap around the torso. And then in order to make it more painful, they would pull back like this. 39 of those. Y'all starting to get it? What Jesus went through for you? It wasn't a few cat scratches. It wasn't a couple little pin nails that you put in the wall to hang your little picture. They were nails, nine-inch nails, thick nails. And so they would whip him and and it would wrap around him and then they would pull back like that. Oftentimes you would see the veins and the arteries and the entrails and the inner organs exposed. It was a total shredding of the, of the up, upper torso. And remember I told you, if the victim would confess or, you know, to what he's done, then it would be less severe. In Jesus' case, the Bible is clear that he had no, are y'all listening? He had no sin, So he had nothing to confess, and therefore he had to endure all 39 stripes. There's a Jew, there is a a historian, a third century historian, and his name is Eusebius. And he writes, the sufferer's veins are laid bare, and the very muscles and sinews and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. Origin. Another third century Christian theologian records, the soldiers in Pilate's charge weren't from Rome, but recruits from the nearby province of Syria and were especially hostile to the Jews. This would mean that the beatings may have been more severe than normal. Can we correct the misnomer here this morning? Because sometimes I think that we think Jesus bore our sins when he died on the cross. And that's true. But listen, Jesus bore your sins before he died on the cross. Jesus bore your sins while he was still alive. Jesus was bearing your sin and paying for your sin when they beat him. Isaiah 53, memory first, write it down. Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are what, saints? Healed. When they beat him and they spit on him, he was bearing our sin. And as soon as they bruised him, he was bearing our sin. The payment didn't begin with the cross. The payment began in verse 1. Look at verse 2. Then the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. Now, I want you to see something here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. And you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat the bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it the ground you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Now, according to Genesis, thorns are a part of the, of the curse. 
Do you understand that? So next time you get those roses and there's no thorns on them, understand somebody picked them off. Because originally those thorns were on those roses because thorns were a part of the curse of sin. Now, got a pen? Thorns, listen, are a sign of three things. I want you to write it down. Three things. Number one, sin. Number two, sorrow. Number three, sweat. Sin, sorrow, and sweat. The soldiers used the thorns to mock Jesus, but their mockery was a clear message to show how Jesus bore our sins upon himself. They didn't know it, but putting thorns on his head as a crown was a great picture or a symbol. I mean, think about it. A crown represents what? Authority. A crown represents rulership. A crown represents power. And the fact that Jesus wore a crown means he is king. He is king over our sins. Somebody say amen. He is king over our... Wait while you clap your hands. Yep, I'll wait. I'll wait. He's king over our sin. He's king over our sorrow. He's king over our sweat or our toil. Are you glad about it? Jesus rules over our past, present, and future sin. He rules over our discouragement, our despair, and our depression. He rules over things that make you sweat, things that you worry about. Listen, we all get nervous. We all get anxious. We all get afraid. We're only human. And God knows that. But the problem is when those things take you over. The problem is when fear begins to rule your life. I'm talking to somebody here. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a So the problem is, it's not that you, you're fearful. We're all fearful. We're only human. We're made. We're dust. The Bible said from dust you came, you were taken, and from dust you will return. That is a fact, by the way. Do you know the same 17 elements that make up dust are the same 17 elements that make up your skin? That's why when you take a white terry cloth rag and go wash, wash yourself, wash your face, wall down the hall, Come back up, take a different terry cloth rag, and wash your face again. There'll be dirt on it. Why? Because you're made of dirt. That's why. So next time somebody call you a dirt bag, you say, duh. Tell me something I don't know. Right? Because... We came from dust. God made us from dust. God, and dust, the Bible says, we're going to return to dust. God knows we're just human. But he is king over all the things that we go through. Now, I want you to notice the detail. Notice, they pla- notice in verse 2, they platted a crown of thorns. They jammed it into his head. It's a mock crown. And then they threw an old faded purple robe on him. Purple is the color of what, saints? Royalty. Verse 3. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him. The Greek reads, and they kept slapping him. Hail, and saying, 
kept slapping him, and, and they kept saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Can you imagine that? That always strikes me. This is the third time I've preached this message today. And I've never ceased to stunned by that. Y'all ain't listening to me. You slap God? You spit on God? You mock God? The God of the universe, the God who made you. And you mock him. Look at verse 4. Pilate went again, out again, and said, I find no fault in this man. And get the scene. Pilate comes out again to the people, but this time with Jesus. And Jesus is standing there, beaten beyond all recognition. Isaiah told us, Isaiah 52, 14, write it down. 52, 14. His visage or his face was marred more than any other man. He stands there, a crown of thorns on his head, a reed in his hand as a scepter, a dirty piece of cloth on him, thrown around his shoulders as a royal robe, and he stands degraded, defaced, humiliated, and yet humble. And Pilate says, I don't know what else to do. I can't find any fault in this guy. And keep in mind, Jesus was just in the garden sweating great drops of blood. I mean, I'm talking minutes, sweating great drops of blood. His skin is particularly sensitive and tender. Think about it. The intense pain, the great, gross loss of blood and fluid. Jesus is in pre-shock. And if you're a doctor, you know that. At this point, he would be in pre-shock. The physical and mental abuse at the hands of the Jews and the Romans, as well as a lack of food and water and sleep, all contributed to a weakened state. Therefore, even before the crucifixion, Jesus is weak and in serious, critical distress. And the thing that I want you to take note and to take from this sermon today is Jesus, listen, was not some poor, helpless man at the mercies of the powers to be. I think, I think I need to say that again. Jesus was not some poor man at the mercies of the powers to be. He was not a victim. Somebody say amen. He was a victor. Somebody say amen. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I gave my back. I gave. Y'all reading that? I gave. That's not a person who is a victim. That's not a person who they took him and messed up his plans for the day. That's not a person who didn't know what was going on. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked my beard and my face. I did not shield from buffets and spitting. He wasn't a pitiful martyr whose plans were suddenly terminated. The scourging and the crucifixion was a carefully crafted plan predicted and prophesied in scripture acts 2 23 him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death and we'll talk about the crucifixion a little bit later in the chapter but understand Jesus death on the cross was no accident the crucifixion of Jesus was no accident or misfortune. Isaiah 53, 4. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Jesus willingly, voluntarily, of his own accord, went to the cross. There was a perfect harmony and total agreement among the Godhead. Listen to me. A perfect harmony and total agreement among the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, should go and put on flesh and suffer for the sins of men. So then the million-dollar question, why did he do it? Why did Jesus suffer this way? What was the reason? Well, there were many reasons. First of all, Jesus suffered, bled, and died to offer men the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, he suffered, keep up with me, he suffered to bring us into fellowship with God because of sin. Sin breaks fellowship with God. Did you know that? Somebody once said this book, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. This book will keep you from sin. You keep your face in this book. You ain't want time to sin. Huh? You keep your face, you keep coming to fellowship and worship and, and, and doing the things that God wants you to do. You don't have time to sin. You ain't thinking about sinning. But when you are in the place of sinning and in doing things you ought not to be doing, in relationships you ought not to be in, in circumstances you ought not to be in, then you're not going to be in this book. Because you're going to look at this book and every time you read it, something's going to convict you. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you, and you're going to read that, and, oh, man, I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, man, oh, I need to stop. I got to stop. Oh, everything I read, every time I page I turn, every people I meet. It's third service. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Number three, Jesus suffered to save us from the wrath of God and to give us peace with God. When you become a Christian, you make peace with God. Then after you make your peace with God, then you experience the peace of God. The peace of God is to every Christian. The peace of God, Paul said, that passes understanding shall rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you make your peace with God, and then when you become a Christian, you experience the peace of God. Number four, Jesus suffered that we could have victory over our three great enemies of the faith, the world, the flesh, and the devil. First John chapter 2. Number five, Jesus suffered to give us victory over death. Number six, Jesus suffered to give us eternal life. Jesus suffered, bled, and died so that we could have eternal life. Listen, I'm coming for a landing right here. Listen to this. Jesus was treated as an enemy so I could be treated as a friend. Jesus was condemned so I could be accepted. Jesus was stripped so I could be clothed. Jesus was wounded so I could be healed. Jesus was thirsty so I could drink. Jesus was tormented so I could be comforted. Jesus bore my shame so I could inherit his glory. Jesus entered darkness so I could have eternal life. Jesus wore a crown of thorns so I could have a crown of glory. Jesus experienced rejection so I could receive welcome. 
Jesus closed his eyes in death so I could open my eyes in heaven. Isn't that awesome? I can open my eyes in heaven. And that's why he did it. That's why he suffered. All the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Not enjoyed the cross, endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't enjoy going through this. Who would? But he went through it because he knew that this was the only way for to be saved. You need to say thank you, Jesus. Come on, clap your hands and say thank you, Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.